Hi, welcome back. This time, I'm just um, with Paula again. Hi, Paula. Hello, John. Hi. And uh, we're going to get a guest we're going to bring in shortly. Um, and we'll uh, be talking about conditioning today and just looking at various aspects of conditioning. So, how's your week been? It's gone really fast. Yeah. Hey. Don't know where it went. Fast in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's crazy, yeah. so today we're going to talk about, um, uh, you know, the, the two aspects I, I usually look at with conditioning is do as you're told and give the right answer. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And um, what are you going to look at? Well, conditioning comes, uh, it, it, it links into our beliefs as well. Yeah, absolutely. And the way I see it is that when we are born, we are, to use a metaphor, we're like a, a little garden and we are a garden of all this lovely fertile soil mm. and we get seeds dropped into our garden and I'm just <laughs> I'm gesturing here with the seeds dropping into the garden and those seeds come from our parents it comes from our teachers from our church from our state and all those seeds are dropped in our garden and in that lovely fertile soil they will grow and they actually become what we believe in and what we think we should be believing in and because they are um, seeds, we nurture those beliefs because we want them to grow and we want them to be right. So we look for evidence that our belief is right and correct and the way to do it. And then it's not until um, we get a whole lot of seeds growing in our lovely soil and we grow up and we start to go, hang on a minute, that, that why should I believe in that? Why should I have to? think like that anymore and that's when we start doing the old rebellious thing if we want to you don't have to but a lot of people start questioning it so and then along comes a whole lot of other things in our life that challenge our belief and we can take that opportunity to say well no that doesn't actually fit for me or it does and um, letting go of one of those little seeds one of those little plants Letting go, it is quite difficult sometimes. You know, when you yank a weed out of the garden, it's quite hard. It wants to hang on in there. And that's where cognitive dissonance starts happening because it's not easy to turn your back on a belief um, and, and to change your mind about what you think because it is actually a whole body experience, not just something that goes on in your head. So we get to a stage where we can... Um, look at what we believe in or not. The problem is some of these things run, we are so good at running this pattern of the belief and making that belief fit that it turns into an unconscious behaviour and an unconscious pattern. And a series of belief systems that don't work for you. Absolutely. Then, so I like to say um, <clears throat> right or wrong, good or bad. Yep. So when you make something right and good, then you, you start create that's the foundation to the belief system yes it will run wrong or bad the same same but yeah. the thing is when we make something right or good you stick yourself more than if you make something wrong or bad yeah okay because when we make something right it's like you know it doesn't matter what you say this is right this is how it's going to be yeah um and and i mean you, you stick yourself too with making it wrong because some people will stick to the you know the wrongness of something um are quite quite um, stubbornly mm -hmm. um, but it, it's around it's not right or wrong good or bad I like to use what's light yeah. and what's heavy yeah. so if something's light for you it's a truth for you mm -hmm. yeah, and it's what doors going to open mm -hmm. it's going to be nice and easy it's going to be flowing if something's heavy it's a lie for you yeah and, and there's always going to be a brick wall you're going to run into. Mm. 
and and we kind of how many times we run into brick walls until we wake up right <laughs> yeah lots yeah. And, and sometimes we don't <laughs> yeah and so the, the conditioning also comes from the theta state as well mm-hmm. in the first the first seven to eight years of our life and i like to describe that as download mode which is when the soil is most Absolutely. prepared and ready. Yeah. yeah. So everything we see, well, there's no conceptualization in that period. Everything we see, we hear, um, uh, we experience is just downloaded. Mm. And then when we start to wake up, um, and and so, some uh, groups of people call it the Rubicon phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the more spiritual um, approach to that is their description of that is that's when you become fully incarnated in your body right. become mm-hmm. fully grounded yeah. yeah science it says well you, you come out of the theta state yeah. yeah right and and you start to wake up and and then you start to what what we call biomimetic mimicry and biomimetric mimicry so biomimetic mimicry is when we do the download yeah. Mm-hmm. So we download all the information, blah, 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 I've got yeah. it all there. Biometric mimicry is when we start mimicking everything that we've downloaded. Yeah, and making it true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and following along. But, and, and that's where the conflict comes with teenagers. Mm-hmm. Because teenagers start to really conceptualize and recognize the downloads that they've got aren't really how they want to be necessarily. Yeah, why should I? Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and it's like, well, I want to be myself. So that's why they spend so much time on their own. Mm. They spend so much time mm-hmm. with their mates. You know, they're in their room. Mm. They buy, they're, they're, the circadian rhythm shifts by about an hour as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why they sleep later mm-hmm. and, and, get, and you know, sleep longer in the day. They, yeah. they go to bed later and they, they sleep longer is because it's a, it's a natural shift. Mm-hmm. So it's allowing them the space to work out which part of the download they don't want to use and which part they do. But it's like you say, it's so embedded in the garden. Yeah. And it's and it's like a it's like a network of roots that go in is, under the soil. And and when you pull one, you know, it's still connected to yeah. this and until we start really focusing on what we do. And, and awareness. Uh, awareness is everything. Once we're aware of something, we can change it. Which requires stepping back from yourself almost and watching yourself and observing yourself and saying, hmm, what did I think there and why did I think that? Yeah. And it's hard to step back from yourself sometimes. It's, it's also, the, you know, the condition that we get is so powerful. Mm. Um, and, and the, the do-as-you-told gives the right answer. I, I like to try and simplify things down, which is why I... I use a lot of computer analogies and how the body works, how we function, because mm. people are used to that. They're mm. used to that terminology and they understand the basic outline of, of how something's functioning. But, you know, if we start with do as you're told, yeah, the yeah. first seven years of your life, you're downloading everything, do as you're told. And I, I don't know about, um, uh, there's lots of schools overseas and all around the world that don't have uniforms, but the British-based um, colonial mm-hmm. um, countries have uniforms that kids wear to go to school. So that's doing as you're told. That's a condition. Conformity too. by uniformity. Yeah, conformity by uniformity. Turning up what time school start, be there. Yeah. Mm. Um, when's your break time? Do that. Um, I'm going to give you some information. You're going to learn it. Mm. Yeah. And then I'm going to ask you questions and you have to give me the right answer or you failed. You're a failure. Mm. Yeah. So I have a lovely friend in Ireland, Liz Valour, and she um, she talks to people. She's a teacher, and she talks to people about the good child syndrome um, and how it is a syndrome of being good. Don't say what you want to say. Mm. Don't button. 
don't have a voice. Just be good, just be likeable, and um, all will be well. Well, that's fine until that child is put into a situation where they are forced into doing something against their will, and they continually suppress their voice. And that's when real problems can happen physically and mentally because they haven't been encouraged to speak up and to challenge the status quo of belief in their environment, which is, in her case, school. Uh, yeah, and how many kids do you, thinking back when you were at school, how many kids do you um, recall getting told off or kicked out of the classroom because they were asking inappropriate, so-called inappropriate mm. questions? You know, they're asking a question, but that's not the subject. So mm. you're being disruptive. Mm. But when we look, when we think about it, that's just the human mind. The human mind isn't designed to learn linearly, which is why so many people find it difficult to take linear information in and why the inquiry-based form of learning is becoming more and more popular nowadays because, you know, we've got access to the internet. You've got, you know, you can ask a type of question and there's an answer, right? And when you, when you say that, I immediately think of when I go and uh, look something up online, how does that feel? It's not just a logical thing. We... We relate it to how it feels from a previous experience. It's a feeling and it's, it's a whole bunch of bodily reactions and proteins and memory that has been set up to how does that feel going along with what I know. Yeah. Curiosity is uh. the best thing ever. <laughs> it's cool. You eh? open yourself up for learning. Well, I might, both my kids have, have done the inquiry type process. I mean, um, uh, my younger, my, my daughter who's younger, uh, first of all, started. she'd been in a, a sort of a creative inquiry-based education up until she went to high school. And when she got to high school, she was excited to go to different classes because she wasn't used to that. And, mm. and like three weeks later, mm. she was like, uh, nah, I'm going back into inquiry. She, could, she, she knew she could see the expansiveness of being able to um, ask questions, research, um, write about it, and stand up and present it. And she felt that was being squashed. Absolutely, yeah. because it's linear. And, and yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's why um, there's a guy named Tony Buzan. Years and years ago in the 80s, he, he wrote a few books on mind mapping mm. um, and, you know, drawing pictures and, and creating uh, visual contexts mm. on a piece of paper to help you remember mm. um, information. And, and the reason it works so well is because you're creating more than one pathway. To and a piece we of information. Love pictures in our brain. Absolutely, we that's that's a lot of how that's how we function. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah and, and and giving the right answer is just it, it's polarizing, and and that's why so many people struggle um, because they're waiting to be told what to do. Yeah, yeah, and and they're not sure that the answer they've got is the right thing, so it's two steps forward, one step back. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're just willing to throw everything to the wind mm -hmm. and follow what feels light mm -hmm. what is your truth and I can say in my whole career I have um, believed seriously in the voices that have guided me I've trusted them um, higher uh, collectives and higher groups than me and and in my career as a pharmacist I did as I was told I just towed the line but there was some serious internal questioning going on as in, like, this just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I don't get it. It wasn't cool to question that, um, but it stayed with me. And now um, I can see that those voices that I did trust 
I'm not actually able to trust them anymore. So I was sitting on the fence knowing that something wasn't really quite right, but not knowing why I should be questioning that because I just implicitly, blindly trusted uh, and, those and, groups. And that's so cool because the question is the key. It is. You know, and, and going, <laughs> there was a lot of years of questioning. <laughs> oh, well, going back to the, you know, our last podcast, mm. you know, we looked at the analogy of of the, the game console being the body and the infinite mm-hmm. part of you mm-hmm. and that the, the, there isn't anything the infinite doesn't know. Right. You know? And, and so the most powerful thing we do is ask questions without yeah. trying to find the right answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to give the right answer the whole time. There is no right answer. There's just an answer that's going to work for you or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you ask a question without trying to find the right answer, you, an answer is going to come to you because, the, you know, it's written, it's a universal law, ask and you will receive. Mm-hmm. So you ask that question, um, what do I need to perceive, know, be and receive with ease? With ease and grace. Today. Yeah. That will help create awareness around this particular problem or who do I need to meet? Uh, what else am I not aware of that I haven't learned? What else do I need to learn? Can I have that information with ease, please? Always ask with ease. With ease, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the only thing that should be hard in life? Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that should be hard in life is a penis. At appropriate times, hopefully. <laughs> you know? And let's, let's be honest. You know, a, you know, a penis doesn't want to be hard for too long because that gets painful. <laughs> but, again, there's a, yeah. but again, there's some more conditioning that you've just thrown in. Our yeah. conditioning is that a penis should be hard. Yeah. No, that's and, right. And actually, yeah, yeah. and actually that's... Yeah, that's not, that's all not there is the to it. No, it's not. Yeah. And that's an excellent uh, <laughs> segue. Welcome segue. segue to say <laughs> hi to Terry. Wasn't that, per- that was the perfect was segue, not- wasn't it? <laughs> hi, Terry. Welcome, hi. Terry Ewan. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, so, yeah, I am a somatic sexuality educator, which. Um, which in some circles I actually just say I have the ability, I'm certified to touch people's genitals um, if that's a valuable or useful thing for them um, to, to have happen. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I support people to learn about sex and intimacy and pleasure. Mm. And so, but the basis of what I do is, interestingly enough, actually tacks onto the conversation that you've just had. And it's about the biggest thing that I try and encourage people do, to do is learn about how they feel and use their curiosity to do it. Mm. If we use our curiosity, we're staying out of judgment, we're staying out of expectation. We're just in that. Thank you. Yeah, you mentioned it's a great learning zone for yeah. those reasons. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been so conditioned to, co- to, to believe this cognitive space that we dwell in, mm. that's our condition that we've put all of this importance on our brain and effectively our brain is really just a modulator for what's going on in our body our brain is just taking in the information from our body it's running it through all of our brain devices and it's spitting out and it's spitting out (laughs) our our reaction to it and then so yeah so what we've forgotten to do we've actually forgotten how to feel and how to feel the light how to feel the ease in our life Um, and feel so, the truth. Fe- yeah, feel yeah. the truth. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of my work, if I'm people, if I'm lo- working with people that are having challenges within their sexuality and, and intimacy and pleasure, then that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the light. We're looking for the ease. Mm. But because of all of that that conditioning that's been loaded on us, mm. you know, sometimes those desires are, are seen as as negative and shameful. And so, it's these huge pieces that we're kind of. Uh, trying to unwrap with people mm. um, yeah and so the, uh, that's part of my work is working with people with challenges and then the other part is, is actually educating and putting an open inclusive consent based view of sexuality out there yeah. So. Yeah. 
So, wow. so what? Uh, what you do a, um, a workshop called Fifty Shades of Green? Yes, right? I do. Yes, and, I do. And, and I've done that workshop. You have. And, and, <laughs> and how did you and, find that workshop, John? And that auto show was awesome. Yeah. And and just really um, a, a real opportunity to um, decondition, mm. yeah, and and to uh, step out of the the wrongness of sex. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know. And and the you know this this Victorian and and before um, mm-hmm. rigidity and thinking around sex and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, sexuality isn't copulation. Sexuality is how we present ourselves to the world, how we carry, walk down the streets. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how we interact with with people around us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and how we want to be seen, how we like to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and the copulation is copulation. You know. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. You know, yeah, it's fun, but it's not the it's it's not about sexuality mm-hmm. isn't yeah and, um, and but we've yeah we've made pleasure a dirty word in our society yeah. but yeah. you know pleasure for pleasure's sake or, or yeah. pleasure indeed yeah. you know we 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 value busyness and people that are rushing around and 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 but there's so we've we've kind of devalued pleasure in a way and it's you know it's not taught about in our schools it's not it's not openly discussed within our family units the church frowns upon it so it's just you know it's that place where we've we've conditioned 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 and partly conditioned because it's a great way of controlling people yeah, absolutely you know yeah and that and that's the um, do as you're told, give the right answer. That's the, the manipulation and control that we're seeing now around the world, you know, the hesitation, the fear that's being created. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, uh, uh, so I have three things, I have three points that I always um, give to people to go and work with. Um, and, and I think that they, that it's the, the wrongness of ourselves and our being, you know, don't do that, that's dirty. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times have you heard that? Dirty. I, I mean, I spoke to, I bumped into um, someone that trains in uh, my gym today. And um, abductor, uh, they, they, they've got a little abduction and adduction machine for the hips, right? Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> she described it as the, um, the, the, naughty, the, uh, the naughty exercise and right. the good exercise, you know. Being naughty is opening your legs and, oh, and being good is closing your legs. Mm-hmm. And it was said in a light-hearted joke kind of way, but it was, you know, we were discussing the, the quality of the gyms in, in, in Tauranga mm-hmm. and that this particular one is best equipped in, in the city. And, and, and she mentioned the couple of the machines that she hadn't noticed other gyms had, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them, but it was her description of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I say to people, um, I like to chunk things down because, you know, one, two, three, many. So if we can remember just three points, mm-hmm. um, and I say the, the, the first thing is what someone says to you and how they behave towards you is their shit. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if their stuff is kind and loving and supportive, then you want more of that in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If their stuff is a disregard, yeah, a manipulation, uh, and subtle abuse or, or, or major abuse, you, you, you don't need to receive that, okay? But it's their stuff. So just remember that how they behave and what they say to you is their stuff. Number two, what someone thinks about is none of your business. That's an mm. easy one because yeah. we don't know, yeah? yeah. Um, and that's where Fifty Shades of Green comes in mm. because it's about being open and having the confidence to communicate, yeah? Um, and the third one is, and the, mm. and the most important, is don't make yourself wrong. And that's the most difficult one to really get your head around. 
because we're so focused on the story that's happening in front of us mm. and the emotional reaction that's created that we it overrides the the percentage or the, the, the component of us making ourselves wrong. So you can't really go into an, uh, a, a mega reaction, negative reaction, without having a component of that story mm. where you're making yourself wrong. Sometimes you don't recognise it because that, yeah. that <laughs> seed in the garden runs so deep. Yeah, absolutely. You just can't see it, the wood yeah. for the trees. And, yeah, yeah. and um, sometimes that's where it helps to be curious as to what others mm. see in you. So in your, in your uh, workshop, you talk about vulnerability. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, vulnerability is um, one of those key Brene Brown words yeah. that is, you know, she's done wonders for people's emotional intelligence. She's, got, she's given the wording around it. And so it is, it's about being, it's about encouraging people to, to show up and be vulnerable. But it's also about teaching people how to, how to, how to, respectfully deal with that vulnerability as well so part of the workshops asking for what you want being in touch with your desires mm. the other part of the workshop is actually about being able to say yes to that or a respectful no to that mm. um, but it's always got to come from from a from a drug and alcohol free kind of vulnerable place in your body it's about creating intimacy from from those places because if you can get to those places it's going to be a far deeper a more incredible space than it than than not so and to the extent you make yourself wrong you just can't go there mm. necessarily no, you can't. With, without yep. drugs and alcohol yeah absolutely yep yeah. yep it, it's it's mm. a, it's a, it, that's a wrongness in its mm -hmm. own right yeah i mean that was i was i mean i was really lucky i had a beautiful um i lost my virginity in a wonderful way but I, you know i was one of the very few in, amongst mm. my peers and most mm. people were just yeah, we're doing it because we want to do it or we want to tick it off the bucket list and we need mm. to go and get smashed. And it's mm. like my experience was just so different and, mm. and so lovely because it was totally conscious, it was slow, it was just, you know, delightful. But, yeah, we're, we're kind of stripping that away from people and I think more and more and more because we the, our kids are, our kids are, you know, porn's really, really accessible, so they've got all these wild ideas about what it should look like and they haven't been given the communication skills in order to in order to ask for what they want, and neither have they been given the skills to actually feel what they want. So we're just, the the pressure on them is becoming more and more, I feel. Mm. Um, and there's kids out there that are making really bad decisions. Um, well, the lie of porn. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's just a lie, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but the, our children don't have the cognitive ability to understand that. You know, you know, they don't have the experience, they don't have the they don't have the felt experience, the neither do they have the the yeah. yeah. I'm just, not even sure if it's just kids. I think I see adults that have um, been affected by it seriously. Absolutely. As well. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's not just the men the, the problem is that it's not just our men. The men are definitely the first victim in that in that mm -hmm. piece. But it's then the people around them and yeah. the, uh, particularly those people that are intimate. Yeah. Um, you know, these beautiful, lovely, successful people and it's like I can't have sex with my partner because he's addicted to porn. It's yeah. just the de desensitization. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. huge. Yeah. And it's starting younger and younger. Um yeah. and that's the you know, that's the really scary thing. But again, it's that it's another form of conditioning. We have our, yeah. our young women watching it to see what's expected of them, yeah. and again, we have our young men watching it so that we, they know what to do and what it should look like. Mm. Yeah, and it's just yeah, kind of. Um, it's been quite open in some of the European countries for many years, and they just have a different attitude towards sex, especially mm. the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but the, and, but and, the and attitude becomes from the, the families that they've been raised yeah. in and the culture that they've been raised yeah. in, and we don't have that here. You know, seeing a naked body in New Zealand, they're like, oh, my God. Um, yeah. So how do you have a healthy sexuality if, if, we, if we've sexualised our, yeah. our view of, of human bodies? It's, yeah. it's challenging. That's what oh. I loved about going to the Canaries. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You could mm. walk around however you liked. Yeah. Um, people were fully clothed, no and clothed, clothes, or partly yeah. clothed, and it was... Yeah was really free. It mm, was okay. very freeing. Yeah. Mm. I, I usually, um, uh, when I'm working with people, say, you know, um, where's the wrongness of the, of the clothing? Because mm. a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people will go into a bathroom, mm -hmm. right, shut the door, mm. take their clothes off. Mm. The bathroom then becomes their clothes. Mm. They're not naked beneath their clothing. Their clothing is mm. a guard, is a, is a way of keep, you know, keeping mm. them hidden. Mm. And, and and so one of the one of the really good therapy for um, people that are, are um, in in that place is to go sit on a nudist beach naked. Mm. Mm. Go to a, a, a nudist resort or mm. a nudist con, you know, place mm. for a day. We have one just like yeah. this is fantastic. Yeah, it's so great. Go and hang out there mm. um, and just be comfortable in who you are. Because mm. to be honest, no one cares. Mm. Yeah, but for some, but yeah. for some people, that's the that's the that's the that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no way in hell that anyone could get could you know. I've got friends, and there's no way in hell that they could get there because of all of what because of their belief systems. Yeah, it's just well, too to the far extent just, they can't do that. No, that's how much physically. they make themselves wrong, mm, mm -hmm. yeah. and that's how much they've been made wrong. Mm, mm. Yeah, and I, I remember doing that. I remember when I was a three-year-old. A very vivid, very vivid <laughs> memory, and I must have been I was very little. And because there was still some, might have even been younger. There were the, um, you, you know, those little um, divan rails that you can have that slot in between the mattress and the base, mm -hmm. right? And, and this was an hour. I was brought up in Africa, right? And and I remember there, and I woke up, you know, and it's afternoon sleep, and and I had this little stiffy, and mm. I was really proud. <laughs> and I was like, look at that, yeah. you know, <laughs> Look what I've done. And, 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 and my mum came in. I mean, yeah, check it out. She went naughty. Oh, oh my goodness. Yep. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and I was like, oh, yeah. Don't feel naughty to me. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. But then yeah. it was like, oh right, okay. Well, mm. you know, I must do that. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I, I, I just really made a point uh, with with my son to you know let yourself go, mate. Mm. Mm. And just I never, never made his body wrong. And no. and 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 um, I hadn't learned this stuff. Because, uh, you know, I'd come from physio and acupuncture, so I hadn't learned the consciousness stuff. And, and, mm. and going into psychoneuroimmunology, it was, uh, I started that in 2005, um, the year my daughter was born. And so a couple of years later, I'd done all this, uh, you know, the brain work and the stuff that we mentioned last week on the, um, uh, the 24 traits we have in common with lizards and things. <laughs> you know? and, and so it was really important that my kids were comfortable in their bodies. So when, um, when my daughter was about two, we would come out of the shower and stand in front of the mirror and she'd be learning all the body parts and it would be perfect nose, mm -hmm. perfect mouth, perfect ears. Mm -hmm. And she loved it. Mm -hmm. It was too late for my boy because mm -hmm. he was four. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Connor, come do this. <laughs> Away. <No. laughs> and he was off. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, if you get kids young enough mm -hmm. and now she's really comfortable in herself mm -hmm. and doesn't make herself wrong in that way. Yeah. Yeah.
my son was um he he was dying to go through puberty and so he would look on every day twice a day he'd be looking under his arms and you know we was you know it's like anything today Taylor no nah, nothing today mum okay well then, you know and the, and the excitement you know when we found the first one it was like you know but yeah it was something that I that I consciously watered yeah. because it was part of you know and it was the, it was the same thing and then it happened with his with his pubic hair he's like I've got one mum I'm like yeah you know it was something that we really really celebrated for exactly that reason yeah. it was like I don't want to I didn't want to come at it from that angle so yeah. it's like well how do we how do we come at it from a different angle what's the what's the what's the opposite of that conditioning yeah. and it was to celebrate it and to make it really exciting yeah. so and, and that's it we've got to smash this this bullshit conditioning mm. that and it's nobody's fault. You know, it's it's, it's been natural. handed down through generations, yeah, absolutely. and every parent did their best with what they had. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. And and it's okay, but now it's time. Okay, what what awareness can we create around this, and how much more mm. ease can we have with our bodies? Yeah. And and uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with bodies. There's nothing mm. wrong with being being attracted to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in whatever level that is, you know, mm. you've had some experiences too. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing um, that I do a lot of work with um, is actually injuries caused by that. Mm -hmm. Okay, injuries caused by the overprocessing of um, uh, consciousness, belief systems, um, and aspects of the body. So Mm. we look at the um, every part of the body has a responsibility to help process different levels of consciousness Mm -hmm. as well as having a physiological and anatomical structure and function. Um, And so uh, when it comes to sexuality issues and, uh, you know, the majority of injuries happen around L3 in the lumbar spine Mm -hmm. um, and in the pelvis. So Mm -hmm. around the sacrum, the coccyx, Mm -hmm. um, the uterus, Mm -hmm. uh, the genitals and the ovaries for women and, and the prostate for men. Mm. And and it's around fear of ridicule and fear of rejection, mm. and and that is um, <clears throat> driven by the liver meridian, which in, in, encircles the the genitals. So the so the liver meridian on the right hand leg comes up and crosses over and goes up the left hand side of the body and vice versa. So it's like um, encapsulating the genital area. And so for women, it's also ridicule and um, fear of ridicule and rejection for mm. the genitals, but also about. Um, acceptance uterus mm. and so um, prostate is about acceptance because it's a similar consciousness uh, set of headings uh, as the uterus is. so <clears throat> what that means is if people are um, if there's a uh, they're going they've been brought up with this ridicule or rejection of body from uh, as a as a biometric mimicry of the parents so how they um, cover themselves up and tell you what you should and shouldn't do and who you mustn't show them that and blah, 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 you know you must always cover yourself up because you know it's it's it's, it's dirty it's not nice yeah. then then every time they you know every time they have an experience in life then there's this fear of ridicule fear of projection going on um, it, it just means that that uh, we recognize that that's a part of the body that helps to process that and dissipate that fear or that mm-hmm. charge yeah or the worry the anxiety around that and when an area gets over processed and it gets overused it gets tired just like anything else mm. and then that's where there's a disruption in that that part of the part of the body mm. and so there's always a consciousness component um, that needs to be addressed when there's serious illnesses mm. in, in different areas or, or, or injuries that just don't go mm. yeah yeah you know they just keep recurring why would a perfectly good body decide to 
throw up an illness or an injury when we're supposed to be rebuilding our bodies and ourselves all the time. Mm -hmm. Why would a perfectly good body go, nah, I'm going to get your attention and do something random? Yeah, absolutely. That's it. Uh, it's it's kind of like what comes up for us because we use biofeedback, so we muscle test. So it's like a conversation with the subconscious, mm-hmm. and and what what comes up is pathways that people create mm-hmm. uh, that inc- that incorporate those parts of the body, and it's like an emotional dissipation pathway mm-hmm. that lets the emotion shoot down mm-hmm. and and get dissipated through the system, so you don't have to deal with it mm-hmm. openly and outwardly. Yeah. Um, and and it's disruptive. Uh, and I also like Bruce Lipton's work on uh, biology of beliefs. So mm. how the how a cell will um, is is uh, the the way the cell functions is directly um, associated to how its environment is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so if your body's in a specific environment, then those parts of the body collection of cells, being the prostate, for instance, or the mm. uterus, or the ovaries, or something, you know. They, they, their function will be disrupted. Mm-hmm. So again, I like I like the analogy of a, a cell or an organ is an endocrine has a has a microchip. The the, yeah. the, the, the membrane of it's like a microchip yeah. that holds the software program of how it should function. Yeah. And if the software program's disrupted or corrupted, then there's going to be some problems. It's not going to function properly. Yeah. It doesn't have the right information. Mm-hmm. So it's um yeah, kind of. Which is mm-hmm. kind of brings me back to a massive question I had. I believed completely in germ theory for viruses and right. this COVID thing has um, really made me question what I believed in, the germ theory, because I came across this theory of exosomes. And it's like, what the hell's an exosome? And suddenly, this was my last, latest belief that um, just peeled away. It was like, oh my God, I don't know what to believe in now. My whole career has been based on germ theory, mm. now this exosome theory's come up, what the hell? And it really put me in a spin for a little while until I figured it out. And um, and now it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. It's both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, but that it's, you feeling know, it's, of undoing a really, really strong belief yeah. put me into quite a spin mm-hmm. for a couple of days. Mm. And it was only, only that. Mm. And that, that goes back goes back to do as you told, give the right answer in, me- in medical school. Yeah. You know, do as you're told. This is the yeah. syllabus. We're not changing it. Mm. Okay, mm. we're not going to incorporate this mm. subject group or that subject group or that subject group. Yeah. This is what you have to learn. We're going to ask you questions on it at the end. You're going to give us the right answer. Then you can get it can letters pass. before your name yeah. and after your name. Which means you are. Yeah. And then these guys go into it 100% wanting to help humanity and, and really help people and make mm. a difference. Mm. And so they, they take in the information, they work their asses off for seven years, they come out with a doctorate and they go out and help people. But there's some holes missing. And we don't know what we don't know. Mm. Exactly right. Yeah. We don't know that we were supposed to ask. We don't know that well, we could have asked. Well, we don't want to ask because we don't, don't want to be wrong. Mm. So we don't, we, we don't want to ask the wrong question. Or And mo- let's face it, because of the do as you're told and give the right answer, mm. Most people ask questions to confirm the answer they've got yep. in their head is the right one. With their bias, yeah. Not yep. because they actually need no, some actually. information they don't have. Mm-hmm. And and when I did my degree in physiotherapy, I could look back and, and honestly say it was it it was self-taught. Mm-hmm. Because you were given 
this is the chat, you know, this is these are the parts of the body we're going to study this week, go away and learn it. Mm. Come back, mm. um, ask you questions on what you learned. Right, okay, I'm going to do the next lot. Okay. There was um, the only the only subjects we were really taught the, the manual stuff was really good because you know you actually get your hands on and learn about the body that way. Um, anatomy is anatomy. Physiology was taught really well though. Mm. Um, to an in-depth mm. level. And it was actually taught that. to you. You know, mm. um, uh, but a, a lot of it. The, and and I and I don't believe. Um, I think it was the way the people in charge at the time were teaching. I don't think physio is taught that way everywhere. Mm. It was just in a school I attended. Um, but yeah, I just I used to sit there thinking, you're not teaching me anything. I'm going away and learning this for myself. You're mm -hmm. not supposed to be believing that. <clears throat> yeah, it's like, yeah. So I'm just wondering when you work with people with their um, with their belief in sex, when that belief is challenged and opened, um, how do they feel about that? Is it a... Um, is it a painful, or is it an excitement, or is it a... How do they deal so with that? a lot of the time, the very first um, feelings that come up are what you've just described, uh, that being really wobbly, it's because, it's because it's something that's in the process of changing. It's not something they've actually felt yet. It's something that's, that's moving, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So they kind of actually feel like... They feel wobbly. Like almost. the carpet's being pulled from yeah. under their feet. Yeah, or absolutely. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. No and so base. then they have to they have to process that not only in their brain but also in their body. Their body. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's and so it's a and again it's about keeping people in their in their learning zone as opposed to something that I call the freak the fuck out zone because you can you know yes. when you pull the rug completely un, out of someone you they're like what the they, hell is going on yes. so it's actually about keeping them in a zone where it's slightly uncomfortable yeah but they can deal with it if that makes sense and so it's just about opening that door just and it's not about me opening the door it's about that process of holding them so they can so I'm kind of standing behind them as they open their own door up yeah um and so the, and but they're only opening it up to places that they can they can deal with at the same time um and then so I work with the body a lot so it's about anchoring in those new beliefs or those new feelings or mm. that new that mm. new thought pattern mm. and how we use the body to do that as well not just thinking cognitively about things it's like actually how do I anchor that feeling what, what feeling do I get by opening that door? Where's the, where's the, where's the, where's the opportunity? Where's the curiosity? And then yeah. finding a way to anchor that feeling into the body. Well, when you said before about all the body having the information, it's been shown that eighty percent of the messages that whiz around our whole body and yeah. head actually come from the yeah. body. Uh, yeah, eighty percent. And only twenty percent go down is, to the body. So yeah. the body is really, really important. Absolutely. You can't just read about it and go, oh yeah, I get yeah. it. That's no. a, Sense. Mm, yeah, it is, and it's you know you, I can tell people who have pretty uh, stunning lives because you know I can tell that they can feel their bodies. It's you know I've got friends that are always consistently making terrible decisions, or yeah. or you know they're always finding themselves in the same stuff, and then there's other people that that kind of just easily guide their way through yeah. their life, and it's yeah. very much they can they can they can feel things a yeah. lot more. They feel when it's not the right thing to do. And they, they also feel that. what they ignored yeah. when they made a bad yeah. decision. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's those voices. You know, I was just saying before when we before we started, I was I had a voice this morning telling me that I should have emailed something through and I ignored it and lo and behold I got here and I'd forgotten the piece of paper. But it's like it's you know, it's like it's for me it was those little words in my head, but sometimes it shows up in as, as, as an image a or a or a feeling or yeah. a 
Yeah, but it's about learning to, and and you notice them when you don't listen to them mostly, Mm. but when you do listen to them, like I do most of the time, you don't notice them because you're always just following that. that, It's full of ease and it's full of grace. It is. Mm. I I turned around um, like two minutes down the road when I was coming here this morning because I had an awareness that I'd left the back door open. Yeah. Unlocked. It wasn't open, it was unlocked. So I went, and I was like, did I? So I went back and had a look and it was, Mm. it was unlocked. I turned around a few times because I got lost (laughs) (laughs) and I just knew I was lost (laughs) Mm. yeah it has to be when you're when you're when when someone's choosing to look at something that's a really big belief or a really conditioned pattern it has to be done really slowly in most cases something that you don't want to you know you don't want to really push someone into everything everything I do the people the people are just I'm just standing beside them holding and they're they're just taking those steps at the level that works for them this is what I feel we're at in in this time at the moment over the last well this year um with um believing that we can inherently trust those who guide us with our health um governments um organizations on a global scale we have been taught to trust those with blind trust Mm. and to to come to the conclusion that maybe we can't trust them with blind trust anymore, mm. that they're that they changed, but we didn't keep up with that news. Um, I feel that's where we have to do this gently, mm. or else people will just crumble. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's the conditioning, eh? Mm. And, and pe- people are comfortable in their lives, going about their lives. Yeah, no, it's not going to affect them too much. It doesn't pain me or hurt me. I'm fine. I'll carry uh, on, thanks. I had that conversation with my flatmate the other day, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and she just said, is it going to make any difference to me? <laughs> yep. I'm going to go, get up and go to work and then come home and, and live my life, but is it going to make any difference to me? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to think bigger than just yeah, yeah. me. Mm-hmm. you got to think bigger than just my job. Otherwise, it just shuts you down. Yeah. yeah. But that's my belief. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's okay. Right. Thanks so much for coming, guys. Mm. Pleasure. Awesome. Pleasure. Nice to chat. Oh. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is moving. <laughs> it's a recording, John. <laughs> it is. I know. Uh, Flash gear. Uh, well, anyway, this is just thank you so much for coming to me today. Pleasure, pleasure. And Paula um, hanging again. Pleasure. With green tea in a container studio, which is really cool. Fabulous um, space and great conversation too. Because yeah, yeah. I, I think so many people are really challenged at the moment with what they believe in and why aren't why aren't their friends still believing in what they used to believe in and yeah. how does that work and and i can't quite figure out my place with all this yeah. going on cool um so if you're listening and you'd you would like to find out a little bit more about what terry does we'll stick a link up to her website for you so you can contact her um and i'm sure she'd be delighted to hear from you same with paula we'll stick your website up. thank you and um might be up there too if you want to chat or connect with us if you've got any comments um, I'll put up an option to uh, record um, some comments uh, and we can answer those send those through to you guys if, mm, you, if it's addressed to either Terry or Paula mm-hmm. and uh, um, 
uh, we'll look forward to next week. Thanks so much for coming along, guys. It's been awesome having you. Thanks. See you in a week. See you. Bye. Bye-bye.